Good morning, family. Isn't it fantastic to be part of such a diverse community that has so many different angles and skills and just, it's fantastic. It's so wonderful to see you together this morning for us to enjoy this time. And uh, I believe that today, and as we prayed and prepared for today with our theme, our title for this day is His Voice in the Streets. We felt that the timing of today is particularly ordained by the Lord. Because we all know that we are going through some real testing times in our nation. According to one of the uh, news outlets and editorial that I read, and some of you may have read it also in, uh, in the previous week, it said, the, the, that our, it said this about our streets. The streets are angry. The streets are dangerous. The streets are angry. The streets are dangerous. There are many voices that we hear in our streets currently that are shouting aloud in our own city, in our province, across our nation, and even across our continent at this time, we are aware of how many voices are shouting. The things they're shouting are things like, foreigners must go home. They're shouting things like, bring back the death penalty. They're shouting things like, men are trash. They're asking the question, am I next? There are parents crying for their children, mothers concerned about the safety of their children. Right now, our streets does not feel safe. You can't even go to the post office, a government institution, and think that you could be safe in a space like that. People are angry, people are frustrated, people are full of fear, and people are hopeless. But is there another voice that we should be hearing in our streets? Is there another voice that should be heard louder than these voices? Even though probably that voice that I'm talking about will be a soft voice, will be a voice that whispers, will be a voice that is a steady voice, not a voice that you will just hear in amongst the chaos and the noise of the other voices, but a voice that comes at a very different angle. Obviously, what I'm talking about is the voice of our Father. I wonder if you've thought over these last couple of weeks as we've heard all these voices in our streets, have you thought, what is God's voice? What does His voice sound like in our streets? I think I've been particularly considering that and wrestling with it myself from this angle that I want to contribute to God's voice and not to the other voices. I want to make sure that I'm speaking the right things and which God is busy saying. Because God's heart is for our city. We sang that amazing song. God's heart is for our city. What we're seeing and experiencing in our city at this point in time is not what God had in mind for us. It's not the heart of God for our city. Whether you're driving down Stanza Bupape or in WF in Cormo Road, or in Solomon Mashlango, or Nanasita, or wherever you are in our city, we need to hear the voice of our Father in this time. And so I asked myself the question, what would God be saying if His voice is to be heard in our streets? I, was, I thought for myself, if Jesus was walking in the streets of Pretoria, in the streets of South Africa in this time, What would he be saying in our streets? If he was walking down Stanza Bupape, 
hearing the cries and the chaos and the, and the, the voices of people in our city. What would he be saying? And I was reminded of the first time Jesus spoke publicly. And it's recorded for us in Matthew 4, verse 17, the first sermon that Jesus preached, the first time he made his voice heard in the streets, was recorded for us in the Gospels. In Matthew's Gospel, he puts it like this in Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach. And he had a simple message. His message was this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I think Leah hit it so nicely when she spoke about David that prayed, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Because he had to recognize that he lost his way and that sin entered his life and that he had to come to repentance first. And I think we all understand that nothing can change in our lives, in my life as an individual, nothing can change. In a city, nothing can change if we don't begin with repentance. And that may be a tough thing to say, because I'll be honest with you, the first inclination of my heart, the first, first thought that I had, if I had to go into our streets and represent and, and, and the voice of the Lord, and wherever I had the opportunity as I was trying to represent the voice of the Lord, I, I, my first thoughts went to, how do I tell people that, about the love of God, about the kindness of God, about the goodness of God? But then I remembered this, where the Lord Jesus came and walked the streets of Jerusalem, and he basically said to them, you are not living in the way that God wants you to live. And the way to get to where God wants you to be is you have to stop, take account of where you are, and recognize that you're messing it up. And you have to turn around. I'm going to invite the Tumaleng where she came. Will you come and share the testimony that she, she wrote this testimony for us and just a great story of, just in her life, of how the Lord has just been working with her in this time to be a voice in her space. So won't you share with us just what you've just experienced the Lord do in your life? Okay. Morning, Hartford family. There we go. You are. My name is Itumeleng Latakhan, and I am married to my lovely husband. Latakhan. Isn't yes. that a fantastic sermon? Itumeleng Latakhan. That's a fantastic sermon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm married to my lovely and handsome husband, Rulof Latakhan. We don't have kids as yet. Think about it, though. Um, I'm happy to share my testimony with you today. There was a situation at work where someone was in a bad space. Everyone was gossiping and spreading rumors about her, even, including myself, and we didn't even know the whole story. Then this one morning... Me and my husband were listening to a devotional, and the topic around it was about gossip. So I thought and imagined myself, if I was in that lady's shoes, how I would have felt. Because then I realized gossiping was actually part of the problem. And I could have been, like I could have listened to her, I could have cared for her, and that would make me rather be part of the solution. So that morning, when I went to work and we were in the kitchen making tea, she was explaining her situation to one of the cleaning ladies. And as I overheard it, 
I could see that her heart was so sad and it broke my heart. As it broke my heart, I just went up to her and hugged her. I just felt that I needed to hug her. And then throughout the day, I kept thinking and I asked God's guidance on what should I do on my side. And at that moment, I just heard his voice. And he said to me, pray for her. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm at work. How am I going to do this? So during the course of the day, she walked past my office. As she walked past my office, I called her in and like, can I please pray for you? And she agreed in that moment with no hesitation. And I didn't even care whether she was Christian or not. I felt like she needed the prayer and to also remind her that God is always close to her. Also, at that moment, it was my first time to pray for someone out loud as I did for her. And it felt amazing. And also to see the reaction on her face, and she was filled with gratefulness. I just couldn't believe it myself that I did it. And in that whole situation, it taught me and, and it showed me that how I have grown in my faith and the confidence of sharing my faith with others. Thank you. Can, can we just say bye? Thank you, Mevrouw Latagan. We really appreciate it. You're welcome to give us a Isn't that fantastic? But did you pick up in that story of how it began? The change happened at a point of repentance. At a point where Itumileng realized that she was part of the problem and not part of the answer. And there had to come an arresting of the heart to say, Lord, help me change my own heart. And the truth and the reality of our nation and our city at this point in time is while we can be so compassionate and I can understand the anger and the frustration, I can understand the fear, I can understand people struggling for resources and competing with one another, and I can understand the fear and the, the, the anger at, at the crime. I can understand the hopelessness that comes up over us when we hear of all this corruption that's been going on with the joblessness that we have and the cycle that we're in, I can completely understand the emotions that it evokes in us. But we have to come to a point where we recognize that our anger and our fear and our frustration is not going to solve this problem. The Scripture says, the anger of man will never achieve the righteousness of God. And if we try and change these things, if we try on our, in our own strength and in our own wisdom and with our human perspective to think that we're going to find the answers for these issues, then we're just going to be disappointed once more. Our only hope is to come to the Lord. It's to come to the Lord. Now this is a tough thing. Because in that sense, we have to be used by the Lord, each of us in our space, in our streets where we are walking. And to draw people to a place of repentance. Isn't it fantastic that the scripture says in Romans 8, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. But how do we help people to turn to say, our only hope is in God. We can't 
change this. We can't fix this. I'm not suggesting that we all become street preachers that walk around and shout, repent you sinners, or repent you sinners. Did you catch that? Repaint, you sinners. (laughs) I'm not suggesting that you tomorrow stand on the corner of your workplace and start shouting, repaint. I don't think that will solve the problem. I don't really think that's what we have to do. I don't think pointing out the problems of people is what God has called us to do. But we have to recognize as the bride of Christ that everything begins with a place of saying, Lord, we have missed it, like David did. We recognize our sin, and we ask you to help us to change us. Because it's only by the power of the Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit enters our lives, and when the Holy Spirit starts working in us, that we can step through our own human possibilities and activities and step into that which is only possible in the kingdom of God. There's a, there's a life, there's a unity, there's a blessing that we will not receive anywhere else outside of the kingdom of God. And the Bible describes it for us so wonderfully. And one of the descriptions that I quickly want to mention for you, and we, I know last weekend we prayed about this scripture also, is, is how Paul describes to the Galatians what the kingdom of God looks like and what the kingdom of God is founded on. He's writing to the Galatians, a people that are struggling because there's different ethnicities and religious convictions amongst them and they're starting to tear themselves apart. The bride of Christ is being divided through human wisdom and human understanding and everybody fighting for what they think is the right thing and people coming in trying to convince people that how, what they should do and, and what they shouldn't do. And it's in the midst of this context where Paul writes these words, and let me read for you Galatians 3, verse 26 to 29. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. I'm so sorry for those of you that missed that poem that we started the service with that weren't here on time. It'll be a good thing to be on time, but I'll I'll move on from there. You missed a fantastic poem. I almost feel tempted if I had time for us to read it again, but please go on YouTube. And in that poem where Dan describes how we can look so different culturally with our dress, and it's fantastic here this morning that some people are dressed in some of their cultural attire, and we celebrate and we enjoy that. Even my shirt, I try to have a little bit more of a Madiba Africa look with a shirt. But it's fantastic that we have that. But do you know that I've been clothed with something that is far more valuable and important than my cultural clothes? My cultural clothes looks like long socks and khaki safari pak or something like that. I don't know what our cultural clothes look like anymore. So I'm so glad that I'm clothed in Christ and I don't have to wear that. You know, (laughs) amen. Now, some of you may like that. Fantastic. Bless you. I have no problem with that. Whether it's Lederhosen. Anybody wear Lederhosen here? Just, you know. Whether it's sari, whatever it is, those things are fantastic. And we celebrate our cultural expressions like clothing. But here, the Scripture says to us, we have been clothed with Christ. We are defined by something else. Something more everlasting. And that is that we are clothed with Christ. 
There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What Paul is not saying to the Galatians is that Jews and Gentiles no longer exist. He's not saying that there's no such thing as gender anymore. And I think that's important for us to echo in these days. He's he's not saying that gender has disappeared in the kingdom of God. He's not saying that the reality is not that some people are free and others are slaves in their time. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying in, in comparison to something else or in connection or in relation to something else, we are no longer different. And that something else is, he says this in verse 29, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. He's saying we all have the same father, Abraham. Doesn't matter where you were born, doesn't matter what language you speak, it doesn't matter. We all are this far, we have the same father, the father of our faith, Abraham, that was credited as righteous, not because of his nationality, not because of his station, not because he was free, not because he was a man, not because he was from any particular nation, but because of his faith, he became our father. And if you have faith in Jesus, doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, you are now a child of Abraham because you have faith. And in that, because we are children of Abraham, he writes, continues, and he says, you are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We all now have equal access and equal rights to the promises of Abraham. The blessings of God belongs to each of us. No gender has more claim to the promises of God than any other gender. In this context of our rights to the blessings and the promises of God, there is no gender difference. In the context of the rights that we have and as children of our father and heirs of Abraham, there's no free, there's no slave. In the context of the the blessings and the promises that God has given us through Abraham, there is no Jew, no Gentile, no free, no slave, no man, no woman. We all have equal access. And that's the message of hope. That's the promises of this kingdom that we belong to. That our kingdom is not a kingdom that can belong to some but not to others. Our Father says, everybody. I provide for everybody. I have space for everybody. And we've spoken about these things before. So when I walk the streets, when I'm encountering people, and and walking the streets, you know, is a metaphor. So sometimes it's when I'm at the braai with family members and friends. Or when I'm at work and and, and chatting with people around perhaps a cup of coffee or tea. Or when I'm out at the mall or wherever I am. What, what can I say? What can I do to make God's voice be known? And, and yes, that voice, like I started off, will not shout and drown out everybody else necessarily in noise. But in the spirit, it can drown everybody else out. Because it's the truth. And what I can say in our city, in our nation at this time, when it comes to being children of God, 
There's no foreigner. There's no male. There's no female. There's no one that has a right to declare over another that there's no place for you. Or to break down another. But I can say, I know there's real challenges. I know we have real problems and we have to find real solutions. But can we do that on the basis of the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? That we have all got the same Father. Now, for us to share in that, we have to come to Christ. And that's the part where it gets a bit tricky. We have to come to Christ. The blessings of God are not available to those that do not come to Christ. God is a good God, the Scripture says. He, 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 he causes rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. God wants justice for the righteous and the, unjust, uh, and the unrighteous. God wants His goodness for every person. But to ultimately enjoy and have the goodness of God, you have to come to Christ. And the hope of our nation that we have to pray for and that we have to unashamedly stand for is to say, come to Jesus. He's the only hope for our nation. Come to Jesus. Otherwise, we're going to keep on tearing this nation apart. We're going to keep on finding reasons why we should be divided and why we should stand. We're going to keep on feeling like you're the other and I'm competing with you. Because it's only in Christ that ultimately we have something that holds us all together. Worship team, you guys can join me on stage. I feel this morning as we were singing and worshiping, and particularly as we came to singing in Corsi Sigaleli as a portion of our national anthem, I started feeling a sense of the heartbreak of our Father. There's almost a sound for me in the spirit today of a lament also, of a cry. And this may go against just, you know, we want to, and, and I trust we're going to end in a place where we're going to be filled with the joy of the Lord as we leave this place. But I just sense there's a moment here right now where I believe we have to say, Lord, we see the anger and the violence and our heart cries. Our heart cries that our children aren't safe. A job we had a word about just God's heart about children that are getting kidnapped and abducted. How do you think God feels about things like that? When all the, the rape and the murder and the theft and the violence and the anger spills out, how does it make God feel? I don't think we can just as a church say, ah, oh, at least we're okay. I think our heart needs to be broken with a compassion. So can I ask you just to stand with me for a moment? I want to pray a prayer and ask Darlene if you will join me. I want to pray a prayer just to cover us in general and just put our hearts before the Lord. And then I'm going to ask Darlene to facilitate that we pray across generations with one another just for a minute or two in the service. And I know that could be a little difficult because not everybody can move easily, but I, I'd like as much as we can that we pray as different generations together.
Because this, this service is a multi-generational service and we particularly planned it like that because it's the kingdom of God. Spans from birth to the grave on this earth and everybody in it is equal place and equal space. It is not the time for the young people. It is not the time for the old people. It's the time for all of us together. We all have our space and our time. Some may lead and some may support and all of those things work out as they should, but we should all be fully given our everything. As Mike said, only I can reflect the kingdom of God as I should in my time and in my generation. So can I ask that we just, first of all, just pray together and say, Lord, here we are. We open our hearts to you. We want to pray, heal our nation. We pray, Lord, heal our nation. Forgive us for the anger in our own hearts. Forgive us for the frustration that we may have allowed to build up. Forgive us for the judgment we may have over other people. For the glib things that we may say, Lord. Forgive us and help us to not be part of the problem, Lord. But give us your heart for this nation. Break our hearts with what break yours, Lord. So that we can bear up this nation in prayer before you. So that we can lift up this city and cry on behalf of this city. We thank you, Lord, that when Sodom and Gomorrah were so failing you and representing everything that was evil and destructive, that a man could intercede. And we want to intercede for our city, Lord. We want to stand before you and say, let judgment not be passed on our city and on our nation. But be merciful to us, Lord. Be compassionate, be gracious, be kind to us. Heal us, Lord, we pray. Heal us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Do you want to maybe look around and see if you can find somebody from another generation standing close to you that you can just pray together? <laughs> you found them. <laughs> As a younger generation, our hearts are not to take over from the older generation and not to kick you out of your positions and say, we're here now, we're going to do it better. But rather our hearts are that we want to come alongside you. We don't want you to pass us the baton. We want to come alongside you and run the race with you. We want to support you. And we ask that you support us. So can I ask everybody who considers themselves younger generation, can you just pray and honor the older generation for the wisdom they carry and for the road that they have walked? And then for the older generation to pray and honor the younger generation for the potential they carry and for the calling on their lives.
Father, we pray that you will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. We thank you that you are God of every generation and that you are God of all your children. We just pray your blessing over every generation in this auditorium. Thank you, Father, for the incredible work that you're going to do through everyone. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Darlene. Thank you, Darlene. As we, as we come to the end of our time here together today, I want to thank you for being just an amazing congregation, just being an amazing people with hearts that are open and wide, that can make space for others that are different and that have different preferences. And, you know, when you do a multi-generational service like this, everybody has to turn towards each other, otherwise it won't work. And I'm so grateful that we're a congregation that is not trying to put up a show, but we're trying to express who God is. And those are two very different things. And thank you for that. We're going to end with a song, and then after the song, Herbert's going to come up, and he's going to give you the announcements for the rest of our day. Please join us. Hang around for a bit. Just have, you know, some Budavos together or something, whatever you've brought. Just let's share together. Let's have a fantastic afternoon. There's lots of fun outside for the kids. Your children, don't take them home. They're going to miss out. And if you don't have children, then you go jump on the bouncy castle. You know, that's also good. Um, you know, just make sure you don't hurt any child and take off your shoes. Um, but before we get to the announcements, I want us to release a sound here today. And can we say, Lord, louder than what the streets are angry and louder than the violence and louder than the disappointment, we want to say our hope is in you, Lord Jesus. That we're not giving up hope. This is a time to raise our hope for this nation. This is a time to say that we have a battle to fight and we're not giving up. We're not letting go. We're not releasing this space. We're not releasing this nation to the enemy, Lord. We are standing and we are shouting and we are proclaiming that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we will fight, Lord. And we will fight our battles in our days, Lord. This is our time. And we want to stand and we want to proclaim. So can I ask you, let's together proclaim today. Let's together raise our voices and say, louder than the unbelief, louder than the doubt, louder than the anger, louder than the violence, our hope in the name of Jesus will be declared. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.